All right, thanks for joining me. This is April with Eyes for the Road. Today, I'm doing an episode on Conway, New Hampshire, which is in the White Mountains area. It's a great base for your fall foliage travels. So you can stay there and explore the area, do the Kank Highway, do the Conway Scenic Railroad, and other um, attractions uh, to photograph and see and do. So for today, we're doing something a little different. I've gathered three phone interviews, so the quality is going to vary a bit. So please uh, bear with me. We'll be speaking with Susan from the Conway Scenic Railroad and hear about that. We'll talk to Jeff Folage, also Jeff Folger. He'll give us an update on the fall colors and driving the Mount Washington Auto Road, which is quite an experience, especially in the fall. And then lastly, I want to introduce you to Joe, who's the new owner of the Isaac Merrill House Inn. It's right in Conway, great location, and he still has rooms available and has been recently renovated. So tune in, let's get started, and enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Today, I'm very pleased to get Susan Logan from Conway Scenic Railroad on the phone to tell us about the railroad, some of the different excursions you can take in the fall, and all about the trains. So thanks, Susan, for joining me, and I'll turn it over to you. Thanks for calling, April. Glad to talk with you. Um, as I was telling you earlier, Conway Scenic Railroad is celebrating its 43rd year this year as a tourist railroad. Uh, our 1874 station is right in the middle of North Conway Village and is quite the um, iconic image for the village. It's widely photographed and seen all over the world. The tracks, the station, as I just said, was built in 1874. The tracks were laid in the 1870s, so we are a heritage, meaning historical, railroad. And um, the the tracks, the tra- we have two different trains and three different routes. We have two valley trains that all of our excursions leave from our station in North Conway Village. Two of the excursions stay here in the valley and go in opposite directions. And the length of the excursions, uh, the shortest one is 55 minutes, the longer one is an hour and 45 minutes. Then we have um, the notch train, which actually goes into and through the mountain. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, roughly parallels Route 302. Um, but the, the trestles up there were considered engineering marvels. They were considered to be impossible to build uh, in the late 1870s. Um, but they were, in fact, built and offer some of the most spectacular, spectacular scenery in the Northeast for our passengers. And fall, obviously, that, that is our most popular train with adults, and fall, by far, is the most popular season to take that excursion. Our notch train season, it, we started last week on June 13th, and we run through October 28th. So September and October, are um, we have sell-out trains. In oh, wow. Months. Yeah, and we actually, we have trains right now that are already sold out for early October. Oh, okay. So any, for like any, yeah. Columbus Day weekend, I know, is a big weekend in New England. Yes. Columbus Day weekend is crazy busy and I you know I I don't think any of my tourism friends would mind my saying you know plan around that weekend because you're going to end up spending 
far too much time stuck in traffic. The waiting lines everywhere are ridiculous uh, to get food, to get gas, to get anything. It it really is. It it also coincides with Freiburg Fair. Freiburg, Maine is right across the border oh. from here, about 12 miles, and they that fair attracts well over 100,000 people in a week. Oh, my goodness. So you've got the perfect storm for traffic issues right. that, that weekend. So, oh, my goodness. Um, we, we offer dining on all three trains, uh, lunch and dinner on our valley trains, and then lunch as part of the first-class notch train package on the notch train. The uh, That package includes first-class seating, and then um, the dining car offers two time options for lunch, either on the way up through the notch or on the way back uh, to North Conway. Now, the... And the People, not to interrupt, but the people on the train, the you know, like the servers and the conductor, are they dressed? You'd say a little bit in period attire for any of these excursions, or the train people are dressed. They have the conductor trainman hats, and um, they typically uh, we don't have too many full vintage uniforms, mm-hmm. but but they they are typically the train crew, and uh, with one exception, they're all men. Um, they do dress in white shirts and dark ties and dark pants and dark shoes. The servers on the dining car are dressed in black and white. So it's, um, it's a first-class experience, certainly the dining cars. And all, all of our cars, there are coach and first-class seating options separate from the dining cars. On the yeah. valley train, um, our first-class, we have a the first-class dining car, and then we have the first-class Gertrude Emma, which is a beautifully restored 1898 Pullman Parlor observation car. Which oh, wow. Has, yeah, mahogany paneling, stained-glass windows. Instead of the um, bench seats that people typically associate with train travel, there are individual wicker chairs that face out uh, to the oversized windows. And it really gives people an appreciation for train travel in the, the late 19th century. Yeah, it's I would think that would be wonderful, car. kind of like stepping back into time. And Absolutely, absolutely. It was, when, when our railroad discovered it, it was, um, it was a, a gem that had been painted all in Army barracks green, oh. <laughs> including the windows, and had been used as a bunk car for... Um, uh, the crew on on the, the the railroad that owned it at that time, the track crew, which which let's just suffice it to say that track crew people for the most part are not the most genteel. Right. And it's a it's a wonder that the windows. I mean, they scraped everything off and just found this this forged wood and and uh, stained glass work and molding. oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's just an incredible car. Our website, conwayphoenix.com, has all kinds of information as well as pictures, um, and, and we, we have a whole page dedicated to that car. Oh, wonderful. And the steam, you have a steam locomotive, but I understand that's still being restored at this time? Yes. Is that it's the steam, our steam engine dates back to 1921, and it's undergoing a federally mandated uh, 15-year overhaul, which means that for all intents and purposes, it literally has to be taken apart and be put back together again. 
oh. which is incredibly time-consuming and expensive. Oh, We're trying to definitely. do all the work here in our own shop, and um, obviously at this time of the year when we're in full season, our shop crew are busy with other things. So it's it's a three-year process. I think we're in our last year. We hope to get it out again uh, in 2018. Oh, that's something to look forward to, too, if people yeah, can't make yeah. it out this week, you know, this year. It was a very, yeah, it was the very first piece of equipment owned by Conway Scenic Railroad and was the the engine pulling the first revenue train as it departed the station in August of eight, uh, of 1974. Uh, and it's very near and dear to the hearts of not only everybody who works here, but many of our fans, many right. of whom are, yeah, we're little kids and remember that steam engine and now they're bringing their children or grandchildren here. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is an amazing engine. I do recall, I think, uh, one of my visits with my parents, seeing, you know, I usually, we timed it to come at the end of the afternoon when some of the trains are coming back into the station just to see that the steam and the train, it's, it's quite an experience. It is, and to see the little kids' reactions, you know, you may or may not know that steam engines used to be called um, the iron horse, you know, iron horse. Uh-huh. And... And it's just, it seems to be when, you know, it's belching the, the white steam and it's made, it seems that it's a living, breathing. Oh, or, completely, you know, and, yeah. And the, <laughs> yeah. And the kids, and well, a lot of the adults, too, just stand as it comes into the station, literally with their mouths open, going, oh, my gosh, it that is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So tell us a little bit about some of your special weekends that you have, and I, and I see you have a murder mystery train as well. Yes, we just finished up our June murder mystery series, and, and uh, it was a big success. It sold out. We've got um, two more weekends coming up at the end of October, the, uh, the last two weekends of October. Those trains are starting to sell, and one of them... Um, a couple of the dates are half sold already, but those, those are we know they they'll sell out by the end of September. Certainly, those those trains will be gone as far as an option for this year. But it, murder mystery is something we do every year. This year's um, theme is matrimony, mayhem, and murder, <laughs> and brings a whole new meeting to forever hold your peace. <laughs> people people had a lot of fun with it, and. Um, we work with Arts in Motion, which is a local theatrical company. So the the event includes the train ride, of course, uh, a three-hour, four-course dinner, and a live um, theatrical performance. So it's it's pretty special for this part of the country. Yeah, that's pretty unique. That sounds amazing. And we get rave reviews. The culinary team of our restaurant partner, Atatash, in nearby Bartlett, uh, they do a fantastic job. We just get just lots and lots of compliments, not only on the quality of the food, but on the presentation and the super-friendly service. So we've got people that have worked on the dining cars since we've had dining cars. So they're, you know, they, they love that. They, they love working on at the railroad. Yeah. So what's the Rail Fans Weekend about? Can you tell us a little about that? That's. That's on Labor Day weekend. Saturday is um, there. It's all various valley trains, mixed extras we put together. Uh, not only we not, not only have our regular passenger trains, but we have extra trains that go along different um, 
tracks than what our normal trains run on. We have we we have uh, special trains that we make up to look like a freight train. Again, with um, um, the uh, the the railroad in general attracts a lot of uh, rail fans who are also photographers. Mm-hmm. But they really come out in force on Rail Fans Weekend because there's just so much going on here that isn't typical of our operation. Saturday night, for example, we have a, a photo shoot. That's oh, free. wow. Yeah, it's a night photo shoot. Oh, that sounds um, amazing, yeah, actually. Yeah, and it's free. We don't charge for it. Uh, we have a couple of local, uh, uh, local and people who used to be local but have now gone on with their lives and live in other parts of the country, but they're professional photographers who know the the railroad well, and they come in and basically um, help. They they organize the shoot and they help set shots specific shots up according to people's interests. Right, so, and just to get the lighting right too at exactly. night is yeah, an art. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's going on on Saturday and then Sunday. This uh, the Sunday is almost sold out at this point. We're okay. we're doing a we're doing our regular excursions in the valley, but we're doing uh, uh, an above the notch tour. A notch train typically ends at that time of the year at Crawford Station, which is the height of the land in Crawford Notch. Mm-hmm. This train on Sunday is going beyond Crawford Station, beyond Fabian Station, which is close to the Mount Washington Hotel. It's going on to the village of Whitefield. We we have run excursions before to Hazen's, um, which is a an intersection outside of Whitefield. But this train is actually going into the village of Whitefield, and it's going to be the first passenger train to get that mileage since I believe it was 1982. Was the oh last my pass. goodness! So it's really going to be a big deal. We've had we've we. We have uh, a number of individual cars are already sold out, um, and I know based on the inquiries we're getting daily, people people who love trains are called rail fans. Exactly, and and they go um, they go for this quote unquote rare mileage where you know trains typically don't don't go because the line is out of service or for whatever reasons. But um, but so this train going to Whitefield Village is a very big deal in the rail fan community. We already have a couple of railroad clubs that have bought out, you know, bought. Oh, I bet. Yeah, the total car. <laughs> you know, with seventy six seats, they just said we're going to buy the whole car because we know our members will. Yeah, we'll sell it to our members. Right. People travel all across the United States just to see some of these historic trains because they keep, you know, there's fewer and fewer. So it is quite an opportunity. Yeah. And the fact that that it's been 35 years since the last train was in that location is going to generate a lot of interest, too. And a lot of, um, they're they're going to allow time in Whitefield for photo opportunities. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's. That's pretty exciting in that, the world. Yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> so, and then, go I'm ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, no, go and, ahead. Then in October, we have, in addition to the murder mystery dinner train, those same weekends, we have our Pumpkin Patch Express, which is hugely popular with the little kids. They're oh, encouraged to, Yeah, they're encouraged to dress in costumes, and they travel to the pumpkin patch, where they get off the train, and all the children get to pick out their own pumpkins. 
and uh, I'd like to do that. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, that runs for the the last two Friday, Saturday, and Sundays um, of the, the last two weekends in October. So those, yeah, as you can imagine, those are really popular family events. Oh, definitely. And those trains are about like an hour or so you'd say to go out and get About the- an hour round trip. We allow uh, maybe 15 or 20 minutes at the uh, pumpkin patch. Um, so I would say what what is normally a 55-minute round trip excursion is more like an hour and 15 minutes. Well, Susan, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Why don't you um, shout out the website again and how people can get tickets to any of these events? If it's and if they have questions, I'm sure there's a phone number maybe that they can yeah, call. Yeah, our, our, our website is conwayscenic.com. C O N W A Y S C E N I C dot com, and all our contact information is on there. They can call us for. Um, reservations for our regular trains or any of the events that we've talked about. Fabulous. And they can also buy tickets right off the website as well, correct? Correct. The only thing they can't buy tickets for off our website is Thomas. That that, uh, that event is ticketed through TicketWeb specifically, but they can call us for reservations. Okay, great. And if people have further questions, there's a contact number then on the website. Yes, yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Susan. I've really enjoyed speaking with you and our photographers and travelers. um, If you haven't been out to Conway, it's most definitely an incredible destination any time of year. So again, thank you very much, Susan, for your time. Thanks. Well, thank you. Hey, April, good talking with you. Got Jeff Bolger back on. He's got incredible information if you haven't visited his, his website at jeff-foliage.com. He's got foliage road trips. He's got photographs. He's got a bunch of information on there. But today I wanted to talk to him about driving up Mount Washington. It's something that I might, I know my parents talked about doing, but I've actually never myself driven up the auto road. So I'm going to turn it over to Jeff and he's going to give us his input on driving up, maybe some tips, that type of thing. All right. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, I did that a number of years ago. Um, I haven't been back up there to the top since then. <laughs> Um, there's several things to keep in mind. Uh, one is temperature difference. It can be 60 or 70 degrees, even warmer down at the foot of Mount Washington. And you can pretty much have frost up above. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you definitely need to keep that in mind. Um, bring extra layers. It might be, you know, very nice when you get up there, but generally... Um, it was fairly warm when I went, when I started the trip, um, by the time we got up there, I was putting on a uh, fleece windbreaker. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) So, uh, but you know, it was, it was comfortable. It was sunny, uh, but it was still, you know, probably in the 50 degree mark, at least 20 degrees cooler up on top of Mount Washington. I see. Let's see. The uh, other... Let's see, the other items is uh, you come up Route 16. Um, as you get past Pink and Notch, you'll get to, you'll come up to the uh, 
uh, parking lot for uh, going into um, the auto road. Can't miss it. The signs are all there. Um, they'll you know, be happy to sell you a bumper sticker um, for having gone up the uh, <laughs> uh, auto road. Um, if you're timid about um, not having um, guardrails and things like that, um, you, you might want to think twice and maybe take the cog railway because <laughs> uh, there are no guardrails for the most part when you go up there. And when you get up there three quarters of the way up, you're basically looking out the side window at, oh, I don't know, uh, Carter Mountain, Mount Abrams or Adams, uh, Mount Jefferson. You're looking at all the other mountains straight across. Wow. Um, and there's, there's just a, a view down. My wife was a wee bit on the nervous side. I was in a full-size truck. Um, and um, once you get up there, you find a parking space, you walk around, visit the museum. Um, heading back down is uh, another fun part. Um, you're definitely be going to be giving your brakes a good workout. Um, definitely, uh, you know, throw it in the second gear um, to use the engine to drag, you know, cause a little drag and not have to use the brakes quite so much. But uh, it, if you know you need a brake job, don't go up the don't mountain. Don't go up. <laughs> um, yeah, don't go up because uh, uh, the last thing you really want is, you know, a brake issue coming down. Um, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be fun. Right. But um, the views up there are incredible. Um, you know, you're basically looking down on the fall foliage because you're up at the um, – the level where there are no trees. And so you will, by the time you get halfway up the mountain, you've gone from the deciduous trees with fall colors into the evergreen um, location and then uh, elevation. And then you'll get up to the point where there are no more trees. And it's just, you know, bare scrabble rock and the road that you're on. Wow. So... It is, you're going to go through all these alpine zones from down below all the way up to the very top of the world, at least as far as New Hampshire is concerned. <laughs> Are there places to pull over as you're going up or no, pretty there, much? I, I don't okay. remember there being any place to really pull over. Um, it's really, you know, one lane up, one lane down. Okay. So as an alternative, you might suggest the Cog Railway or something? Yeah, Cog Railway is a wonderful way to go. I haven't done it yet. I've photographed it. You know, I've gone up the road to it. Um, I think that's uh, Jeff that's just past Jefferson Notch, which is another one of my favorites. Um, you pass Jefferson Notch, and um, or actually, take that back. I think it's maybe Crawford Notch. Um, but you pass up Crawford Notch and go up to the foot of uh, the other side of Mount Washington. And that's where the Cog Railway is. And um, that was, that looks to be like one of those things that's on my bucket list of things to do. And uh, one of these years, I'm going to get up there for the, uh, the Cog Rail. Yeah, that's like the auto road to me. But they, I do notice I went to their website for the auto road too, and they do um, have, I guess, a van you can ride up into. But again, if you're fade apart, it sounds like it's mm -hmm. it's yeah. quite the toad ride. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be one way to do it. I, I don't know if they had that when I did it. It was about 10 years ago. 
Um, so they could have had it, but I don't remember. But yeah, I, you know, they may not have. I, my, my truck didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't need new brakes afterwards. You know, we, we made it up, we made it down. We told, we lived to tell the tale another day and, uh, and got your bumper was, sticker. Uh, <laughs> got my bumper sticker. Yep. Yep. How long uh, did you think you spent making that turn off? Um, it probably took a good uh, 40 minutes, maybe 30, mm-hmm. 40 minutes to get to the top. There wasn't a big long line of traffic or anything. Um, you know, you weren't bumper to bumper all the way up the mountain. Which would be preferable, I would think. I don't think I'd want to. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I, I th- yeah, I think it would be, you know, pretty decent. And um, I, I'm trying to think of uh, when I was up there. Let's see, it was. Well, I know you mentioned it on your, you have a whole little um, blurb on Route 16, because it's off of Route mm-hmm. 16. And you also mentioned how much you enjoy Route 16. Which may be a nice uh, sixteen it never fails to please anybody. Um, yeah, that was that is a wonderful uh, drive at any time. And you know, if you look at you know, Route sixteen, Jackson is along it, obviously Conway's along it. Um, you know, you've got a covered two covered bridges in Conway, you've got a covered bridge in Jackson. Um Pinkham Notch, which, which has that big massive turnout that you you know you can get dozens and dozens of cars, and you can look up and down um, the notch between Mount Washington all the way back down towards Jackson. Oh wow! And that on a sunny day is just a gorgeous view. And um, if you want, um, actually, a, another fun, um, I would say, uh, high. Well, a high view of the fall colors mm-hmm. would be maybe to go across the street from um, Mount Washington and go up on Wildcat Mountain because they have gondola rides. Oh, they nice! Take you up in the uh, you know what they normally you know have for the ski trips and uh, just go up and get a view out that way, which you don't have to worry about driving it up. You know, it's a much um, you know let's just say it's I won't say it's safer, but it is um, less. Uh, well, not as focused. Yeah, it's not as nerve-wracking. I would think you could just hold on like you would yeah. a ski lift and enjoy yeah. taking well, the view you know, a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, when you're going up, you know, it's like kind of hard to um, rubberneck when you're going up Mount Washington because uh, you have to remember, oh, I got to stay on the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least with going up on a gondola ride, you know, it's uh, you can rubberneck and look out the window all you want and you don't have to worry about things. That's great. So have you done the gondola yeah. ride, it sounds like? Um, I did it over on Cannon Mountain. Cannon Mountain has one as well. Most of the ski areas. Um, and if you go over to Vermont to uh, Smuggler's Notch, you know, they do it. Most uh, decent-sized to big mountains. Um, Loon Mountain has one. Oh, nice. Um, Loon Mountain's got a bunch of neat things up on top of it. It's got a bunch of caves that you can go exploring and crawl through. And uh, uh, the kids, uh, I took my grandkids up there and they, um, they really seem to enjoy it. So in wrapping up, any thoughts on how we're progressing? Um, no updates yet. I don't remember exactly what you spoke of in <laughs> June. So yeah, it's well, still June. I, I think, and... I, yeah, I know it's still early yet. Um, right now, it's, I, I would say that um, in, 
unless I get further indications of any um, tar spot or any other leaf issues, I don't see any evidence, no real evidence of it yet. We're bound to have a little bit, but um, there's, you know, there's a few outbreaks here and there of uh, gypsy moth, but not like it was last year. Oh, good. Um, That's good to hear. So uh, it, it's, it doesn't seem to be as uh, progressing like it was last year. We don't have the drought like we did late last year. Several places that were in extreme drought last year, both in New Hampshire or Vermont or Massachusetts, have gone down into acceptable levels again. So we've, had, we've made up a lot of deficit. And um, that means that the leaves are going to be fairly happy. As it sits right now, we're going to have happy leaves. Happy leaves mean that they stay on the tree longer, even in higher winds and rain. And um, But they're also sometimes a little slower to start, and they last longer, so they're slower to end. So right now, I'm leaning towards what I call a slow burn. Um, it won't be, you know, igniting real fast, right. but they're just going to start and they'll stay there and they're not, you know, they're going to give us more time in the more Northern areas, barring, you know, major storms and things like that. Right. But, um, we should see a long running, um, fall foliage season this fall. Um, once it does get going, it may be a few days late because temperatures aren't as cold as we want. But um, it should start about the normal times, you know, should be safe to be traveling uh, one October, maybe even the end of September. I'll head out probably uh, around mm, 18th, 20th of September and gauge what the color is doing up in New Hampshire and stuff. Right. And, um, you know, okay, let me know how things are progressing. And... Um, I think we're going to see once it does get going, it's just going to be there for quite a while, a lot longer than normal. Which is nice. Right I mean, that's now, really. They're, they're happy. Yeah, that's good. It's sounding like it's setting up for a wonderful fall foliage season. So should be. So it's time to start. If you haven't made your plans, start making your plans. Um, if you, as we've mentioned before, if you have um, any travels around the big uh, Columbus Day weekend, which if you're on the West Coast, we don't really get Columbus Day as a holiday, but the East Coast gets Columbus Day as a holiday. So a lot of people are you know, taking advantage of that three-day weekend. So hotels, lodgings, things tend to fill up. So if there's somewhere specific you want to stay and not panic about where your bed is at night, you might want to look into at least getting your weekends set up for lodgings. So things to check yeah, out. Yeah. So thanks again, Jeff, for joining us and for the update and for giving us some insight onto the auto road and some of the other areas north of Conway and around that area. So if you want to base yourself mm -hmm. around there or even a little further north or on the opposite side, there's lots of options. So please check out Jeff's site, jeff-village.com. And we'll probably check in with Jeff again, definitely, before the season gets rolling. So thank you for your time today, Jeff. No problem. And if you have questions, um, drop them onto Jeff's website because he's always, you know, make a comment. Uh, got a lot of posts on there. So if there's things you're interested in hearing about or don't you don't 
find right away, though. His search bar is really, really useful. The new innkeeper at the Isaac Merrill House Inn in Conway, which Conway, as I've mentioned, is a great area to come for fall foliage. So, Joe, um, I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, about how you got into running a, an inn, a, big, a pretty big inn at that, and some history of the house. And then we'll go ahead and shout out that you've still got rooms, I noticed, I think, for um, fall foliage the first two weekends of October, which is a great time to come to Conway. We do. Yep. So my name is Joe. I am originally from Massachusetts, about 20 minutes south of Boston. And I moved up to Conway, moved up here in, I think it was last March, so March of 2016. And I didn't move up here with the intention of buying an inn. I didn't even know about the Isaac Merrill house. And once I had come up here, I've been vacationing up here my whole life. So I was oh, familiar wow. with the area, but I never made it this far down, uh, Kearsage road, which is the road that we're located on. And we found out that the inn was for sale. And I was at the time running a, a small rooming house back in mass that my dad owns. And I was working with him. And so I was dealing with, I guess, hospitality on a much different scale, more like renting rooms and that kind of thing. Right. And we found this place. And so we kind of just based on what we knew and what we knew of the previous owner and the building, we, we kind of expected it to be um, a little rough inside. And I, I, you know, we didn't have our hopes too high as far as if we would be able to really do it. And when we came inside, you know, the building needed to work, but structurally it was really, it was good. It was a sturdy building. It's old. It was built in, I think it was 1773. So wow. it's been around here for, yeah, it's an old building. Um, <laughs> one of the oldest up here, but it was really, it was in good shape. I mean, we needed, it needed a lot of TLC as far as, you know, the walls needed to be replaced. We needed updating, but structurally it was, you know, a sturdy, strong building. So we ended up um, purchasing it in November of 2016. And we, we closed it. It was, it was kind of, closed for the past six months he had been renting it out to people here and there but it wasn't it wasn't really fully running for almost a year so we kept it closed and we did renovations we did i mean just to mention a few we we tore down the entire it's got a big 30 foot on one side and 40 foot on the other side yeah, that, around porch, porch. We, yeah that porch yeah. is beautiful yeah, and, and, it, and it was it was a nice porch, but it, I think it was it was as old as the building. It, <laughs> it looked like it had been there since the 18th century. You know, it was ancient. So we um we we didn't plan the whole story of the inn is nothing. We didn't plan to do as much as we did when we bought it. So the porch was one example. We thought we could just fix it up, you know, tuck yeah. it up underneath. And the more we got into you know working on it, the more we realized we needed to just tear the whole thing down. So we did, and we rebuilt it, and that. In my opinion, that that was the biggest thing we did as far as visually, structurally, just aesthetically. It makes the whole building, it changes the whole look of the building. And that's a really that that's a really big part of, of the end is that huge wraparound porch. So that that was a big update we did. And from there inside the our goal was to try and hit the common areas because the rooms, the rooms looked great. I mean they Yeah, the rooms were actually rooms, but, Yeah, the rooms weren't bad because I actually stayed there, I believe not too long in the fall um like maybe two years ago so yeah that, that last fall maybe that they were still had quite a few guests and the room i mean the bathrooms were modern so that part they were you know the rooms were comfortable yeah and so we figured i figured 
it's easier to close a room when need be to renovate, you know, just isolate that one room and fix it as opposed to having to renovate common areas while we were open. So I figured while we're closed, we did the porch, we did the living room, we did all, any carpet in the building, we replaced all the carpet, we did, we painted almost all the walls of all the common areas, hallways, we did all new lighting. The dining room was next to the porch, that was probably the, the second biggest thing we did. And that room basically was torn apart completely with the exception of the floor. We left the original hardwood floor and we did all new walls, new fireplace. We did a brand new built in breakfast bar. We, and we ended up actually, yeah, that's, and that's a nice, you know, that's one of the people love the dining room of the inn. I mean, that's one of the, the, you know, the the top places to, to be in the inn. I mean, people love that big fireplace area and we have a couple couches there. That room in particular was showing its age more than others. That actually the floor, I don't know if you remember when you were there, but the floor of that room dipped down. Yeah. And it was, you know, these old buildings, they all have kind of a slope to them and that's, you know, typically that's fine. It's just kind of what you get in a building that's 250 years old, but this, this room in particular was so bad and they ended up, the carpenters that came in and helped us out, they ended up jacking the building up and they raised the floor. I think it was about eight inches. Wow. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff done. So this room is beautiful, you know, all the common areas. And, um, and one of the other, the biggest thing aside from physical renovations is the way the inn was run before. I mean, everyone that stayed here had a different experience, but from what I could tell, it wasn't run very well. The owner was never on site. Um, you know, he was down in Boston. He would have people running it, but people didn't stay here at night. They'd have a, you know, there'd be a new housekeeper one year, the next year there'd be somebody else. And I think part of the reason that people like bed and breakfast is you want to feel like you're staying in someone's home. And if right. it's run like a, you know, like a big chain hotel, but with the age of a bed and breakfast, I mean, you're not really getting anything. So yeah. I live here. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always here. Um, I live here. I work here during the day. So even when there's no guests, I mean, I'm always here. I've been in this building since we bought it in November. I've, I feel like I've never left, but <laughs> you know, probably yeah. That, yeah. And I think that way, I think that shows because people, when they're coming in, it's like, I'm showing them something. I mean, I've been here, so I know what it was like before I was here during the renovations. I'm here every day now. So it's, it re- even though it's not my actual, you know, like a house that I bought for myself, it, it is my home that I let people into. And that's, I think that shows in the way that we, you know, take care of people and the way that we greet people and the way that we talk to people. I mean, I don't think anybody that stayed here before can say that they've actually sat and had a conversation with the previous owner. I, I don't, most people didn't. No, a lot of people actually no, stayed yeah. here. They didn't even, they, some people, I think they said when they checked in, they never, from checking the checkout, they may have seen one person here and there, but so I try and make sure that I'm around and I like to meet people and people seem to, you know, be interested in knowing the history of the inn and knowing all the work we did and, you know, they, they, they enjoy it. Everyone's been very happy so far. Great. How many rooms actually does it have? Because I know it had quite a few rooms, if I recall. Yeah, so we have, we have 15 rentable units, and two of them are two-room suites. So there's 17 rooms and then an owner's quarters, which is where I stay. And all the rooms, we I think we shut down... There were two, no, three of those 15 units we closed down when we first opened because we wanted to renovate them. And renovations on one of the rooms is already done and two are being done uh, the end of this month, early next month. So we'll be fully available by um, by the 4th of July. Oh, wonderful. That's great. Yeah. So, and you still offer some breakfast options for people or? Yeah, we do. So we, we do breakfast a little different. So 
like I said, me and, me and my dad bought the place and I pretty much run it. I mean, it's, it's basically just me. I mean, he comes in and helps out here and there, but I, um, you know, I live here. I do the housekeeping. I take care of breakfast. And so what we do for breakfast, just because it, it, it's the best way to do it for just me being here by oh, myself exactly. right now. <laughs> yeah. We do, um, we do, we do a continental breakfast, but I do it. I get it from a, there's a bakery down the street, old village bakery that actually bakes stuff for us fresh every morning. So I go oh, over there at seven gosh. o'clock when they open and I pick up freshly baked, you know, croissants, Danish muffins, bagels, all that stuff. And I bring it here. So it is continental, but I always tell people it's not, it's not like what you get at, you know, like a motel where you go and get, yeah. you know, eggs and frozen bagels. I mean, these are, these are nice, really good pastries. And we have coffee and tea all day and we have juices and all that stuff. So people seem to like it. I mean, it, uh, hopefully down the road, if we, I mean, we're just, like I said, we're just starting up. I mean, this is all brand new to us. And we, we kind of started the business from scratch where there wasn't much of a customer base for us to begin with. Right. But once we get more, um, I guess established, hopefully we'll be able to have a full breakfast. But for now, I mean, it's really, it, it is delicious. People love it. I've had no complaints so far. And we make sure people know that before they book anyway. So if they're looking for something different, you know, they know what we have and what they'll expect. Well, coffee and fresh pastries. I mean, what better way to start the morning and sit out on that <laughs> wonderful porch or by the fireplace? I, yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. And there's so much to do in the area. How far is it? Would you say... Cause I didn't realize Kearsarge road until I'd stayed there, like curved up where you're at. And it, and it, like, if you walked, how far would you say it is to walk down to say the historic train station and kind of the main square there? So we're about, I think we're about a mile. I think we're about 1.3 miles from the intersection where Zeb's and the North Conway five and 10 store and horse feathers and, and the train station, all that stuff. So I think it's about, I think it's just under a mile and a half. Um, you know, some people walk it during the nice weather. I mean, in, if you have to drive, it's it's like oh, a three-minute drive. Oh, it's nothing. Yeah, it's no nothing time. to yep. drive it. Exactly. Right. And so in the fall, when it's busy, it gives you a great option to stay at the inn, and then you can just walk down to other restaurants in the evening. And, yeah, makes it very yeah. convenient. Yeah, definitely. So what things in Conway have you found that you enjoy in your extra little spare moments? <laughs> <laughs> so. um I mean, anytime that I've ever come up to North Conway, I've always gone to the area that we're closest to, which is, I guess, North Conway Village, you'd call it. That's like where all the little stores are. And there's a little candle store and there's the little, you know, little general stores. That's like Zeb's and the North Conway 5 and 10. So that's a really cute area. There's a, there's um, by that, right by that train station, that's Shula Park. And that's a really nice area for, you know, families to play. Ben and Jerry's is right over there. So I know that area fills up very quickly. Um, as far as the rest of North Carolina, people up here, the biggest things aside from obviously hiking, which we're located, we're only, geez, I think we're only a half mile from Cranmore. So that's pretty much a year round place. I mean, people go up there in the summer, people go skiing in the winter. Um, and we're super close to that. But aside from that, I mean, there's the shopping up here is great. They have the outlets, which are just a little ways down the road, maybe an extra mile or two down the road from Zeb's. And there's, that's all outlet shopping. So there's probably, God, oh yeah, 50 there's, plus places maybe, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of outlet shopping <laughs> and rest and restaurants. I mean, there's restaurants on every corner. I mean, you can't you can't drive thirty seconds down the road without passing two or three places. So you, you you'll never go hungry up here. That's for sure. Right, right. So do you still have rooms available for um, the first couple of weeks there in October? We do. Yeah, we actually we've it's, it's it's funny because when we first opened, we opened up in it was President's Day weekend was the first 
our first official opening. And so we posted online, you know, that we were available. We finally got live on all the travel sites and we booked up really fast for the holiday weekends. And the, the months after president's day are kind of slow up here. That's what we call mud season. And it's really kind of a, yeah, yeah, it's a weird in between from the little bit, it's getting a little bit past prime ski season, but it's still a little bit early for all the stuff to open up for summer. So we had kind of a slow period then. And what I've noticed is now that the weather's getting warm and it's June and kids are getting out of school. It seems like the summer months are booking up quick and actually fall season. So towards the, which is more foliage season towards the end of September into early October, we've been booking up pretty good. I mean, when we first opened up, Right off the bat, even when we were slow during spring season, we were getting bookings for September, October, because people plan those trips. You know, that's a, that's one, probably the most popular time up here. I mean, there's, it's beyond beautiful. There's so much to see, and the, the, the leaves look so nice. So we do have rooms available. Um, you know, we have, I don't know what capacity we're at at the moment, but we, we, we have availability. And the peak, the foliage, what we consider foliage season, we have it. Um, September 22nd to October 22nd. So anywhere in that time frame is usually the ideal time for the best uh, foliage viewing. Right. For the best leaves and you're not far from the kink and you're just, you're just yeah. in a prime location there. So wonderful. And so, beautiful that time. Oh yeah, it is. It's, it's a wonderful time of year. So, um, so your website again is Isaac Merrill at uh, what is it? Go ahead and I'll let you tell them. Yeah, sure. The website is IsaacMerrillHouse.com and we are also, we're on Facebook and it's Facebook.com slash Isaac Merrill House and we're on Instagram too and same thing, Isaac Merrill House. So we try to be active on as many of the platforms as possible. So you can see on our Facebook page, we post updates more regularly than the website, but the website has a lot of pictures of the renovations so you can see on the website, you can see individually, you can click on porch and see from what it looked like before mid renovation and now and the same for the living room and the dining room. So you can get an idea of what, you know, the work we've done and where we started and where we are now. Right. Great. And do you have online booking as well uh, for rooms or do people need to call the 800 number? No, we do. We have uh, we have online booking. You can book, you can book from the website directly. Any of the pages on our website, there will be a, a tab for reservations that you can click and view availability. Um, all of our rates for the whole year are posted on the website, so you can see those before you book. And you can also book from Facebook. So if you're on our Facebook page, oh, wow. there should be a book now. Yeah, there'll be a book now button on the right, so you click that, and you'll be able to view uh, the availability and see what rooms we have. And all the pictures of the rooms should be all updated, and you know you can get an idea of what, what kind of room you like. Perfect. And I do notice you still have a couple family rooms that are good for families. We do. Yeah, we have. So we have two. A lot of the rooms in the inn are queen beds or king beds, but we have a we have two two room suites. So one of them is in the third floor, and it's a I call it, I think it's called the king suite. So it's got one room is a king bed. It's a large room. Uh, it's a really nice room, actually, really beautiful old hardwood floors. And attached oh, to that nice. is it's it actually so you when you go on the third floor, you open you have the key to the door, and behind that door, that's what you get. So there's one room that's separate, that's the king room. And then separate from that, we have a room with a full bed. And that's kind of a, a smaller, cozier room, but it's really cute. And uh, they share one bathroom, and that's the that can sleep up to four people. So, you know, two in one room, two in the other. And we also have the family suite, which is 
it's two rooms that are connected and there's a doorway in between them so you can get from one room to the other. Uh-huh. And the main room has one queen bed and the other room has three twins, which oh, is wow. you know, great. So if you have up to three kids, you can get them all into one room, which is great. Because I think a lot of, from what I've heard from people that have booked that room, it's difficult to find a place, a room that has three beds in it. So Oh, yeah, it really nice is. Right. It is. And if you have a small family, definitely just yep. <laughs> easier for if you sure. each have a bed for them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, too, they had told me that in the past because they've had, you know, if it's a mom and dad and three kids, they've had to book two rooms at a place in order to, to fit all those people. But, you know, we were able to we were able to do it for one room. So that saves them money and that makes them obviously very happy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and we'll thank put you. a plug on our website for the Isaac Merrill House Inn. It's in a beautiful location in Conway, New Hampshire. So give Joe a call or go to the website and book some rooms. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much, April. Okay, everyone, that was some good information on planning a fall foliage trip to Conway, New Hampshire, which would make a wonderful base for exploring and photographing the colors in that area. So please, if you have questions, you can go to my website at fallphototrips.com. I do itinerary planning, so if you need help planning that great fall photo trip, and check out my other podcasts at eyesfortheroad.com, where we've got other interviews from Jeff Foliage, itinerary help, and driving the Kankamangas Highway. So thanks again. Have a great day and join me next time. This is April with Eyes for the Road.